Um, I'd like for you to take just a moment with me, and as this is Memorial Day weekend, and let's pause and just be thankful for all those that have gone before us that have given the ultimate sacrifice that we might enjoy the wonderful freedoms that we have in this nation. Let's just bow our heads together. Father, we just thank you for the United States of America. Lord, with all of our difficulties, all of our problems and issues, Lord, it's still the greatest nation in the world. We still can worship you freely. We can still share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you that we are a Christian nation. That we were founded by godly people with biblical principles. Lord, that our nation continues today in the wonderful freedom that we have because of those that gave the ultimate sacrifice. And Lord, we lift up all those that are in service today Lord, around the world, because we have men and women that still put their lives on the line for our nation. Protect them and bless them. And Lord, help us to always be thankful for those that have given so much. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Tomorrow we're going to have a Memorial Day celebration. We have a 22-foot inflatable slide. We have... Uh, uh, like a 45-foot um, inflatable um, obstacle course. That's what I was looking for. David knew. And uh, we're going to have burgers, and we're going to have lots of fun. So if, if you uh, don't have any place to go tomorrow, come join us, and we're going to just celebrate and be thankful. Amen? Well, today is a very bittersweet day in that uh, today is the last Sunday for Gary and Nancy. We've been talking about this for many months, and God put it on their hearts to go and to pioneer a church in Manaqua, Wisconsin. And we've been uh, gathering funds to help them in this, this great adventure for the Lord, and they're heading out tomorrow. And so we want to pray for them, we want to bless them, and uh, we're going to uh, continue to support them. If you want to give, it will get to them, I guarantee you. And we're believing God for great things in Manaqua. Amen? So I'm going to ask Gary and Nancy to come. We want to pray over them today. And I have a very special gift for Nancy deserving of that. They've been a tremendous blessing to us. And so Pastor Harry went and he got some very appropriate gifts for Nancy.
Wisconsin will never be the same with you two there. But we're, we're believing God for great things. And so I, I want us to join today. Yes, it's bittersweet. We love Gary and Nancy. They've been a tremendous blessing to our family. They're, they're still a part of our family. They will always be a part of our family. Our family's just expanding our reach. And our, our tent stakes are being stretched out so that we can impact the world in a greater way. So if anyone wants to take a vacation to Manaqua, you, you know where to go. So I want you to join with me, if you would, just stretch your hand forward towards them, and we're going to pray for them today, and we're going to bless them. Father, we are just so thankful for the privilege to know Gary and Nancy. Lord, the gifts that you've given them, the anointing that rests upon their lives. Lord, it has been such a, a blessing to us. And Lord, we look forward to the future. Yes, we're going to miss them. Lord, today is, is very bittersweet. But Lord, we know that you have tremendous plans for Manaqua. We bless that community in the name of Jesus. We pray right now that everyone in that town, Lord, would begin to have their eyes opened towards you. Lord, that you would stir their hearts, that you would draw them by the Holy Spirit to you. We pray for revival in Manaqua. We pray for the greatest to the least in that community to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord, we just bless Gary and Nancy. We pray for every need that they have to be met. We pray for protection on the road. We pray for fresh fire from heaven as they minister your love and your life to that community. We pray for greater revelation in your word as they study. And Lord, that they would just deliver your word in the demonstration and the power of your spirit. Lord, that we would just see miracles in that community. Signs and wonders, deliverance, healing, and most of all, salvation. And Lord, we just bless them today in every area of their lives, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We've got three cakes. We've got three cakes after service. So everybody get a piece of cake, hang around, love on them, tell them you're going to miss them. You want to say anything? Do I trust you? Just a little short. He can this time. Gives me a crack. I love you all so much. And thank you, Pastor Mill and Melinda, for trusting us and letting us work with you in this. You are a family. This is so hard. But we know that your hearts are with us. So thank you for everything. And thank you for loving us. <laughs> He's going to cry. Bless you guys. Amen. It's an exciting time. I believe the Lord has great things ahead. How about you? I believe we're going to hear great reports from Manaqua, and we're going to share great reports from Wasilla as to what the Lord's doing. Today I want you to turn with me. We, we began a series last week concerning uh, Pentecost, Pentecost Sundays next Sunday, and we talked last week about welcoming the Holy Spirit into your house, into every area of your life, whether it's your personal life, 
your family, your home, your dwelling place, your business, and your realm of influence. God wants to be present with you and to make a difference. Well, today I'm going to talk about a different aspect of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about the assignment of the Holy Spirit. The assignment of the Holy Spirit. After Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church. And the Holy Spirit had a new assignment. And, and, and that assignment is to partner with you. That assignment is to come alongside you and enable you to fulfill the awesome plan that God has for your life. That your life would make a difference in the lives of others. That your life would touch people with the love and the life of Jesus. And so I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're just going to read through this passage. Now, I'm not going to do an exhaustive study of the gifts, but there's just one point I want us to see in this passage how the Holy Spirit is assigned to work alongside of us, to work with us, to minister through our lives. Let's, let's go ahead and uh, begin with verse 1, chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, notice that gifts is in italics. That means it's not contained in the original text. So the idea there is more of now concerning spiritual things. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice that. Maybe underline that. No one who declares Jesus is Lord can say that except by the Holy Spirit giving him that revelation. Amen? Now look at verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us, ministers in our lives and through our lives, so that our lives will be a blessing to everyone else. It's to profit everyone. Look at verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now what I want you to notice in these verses, look at verse 4, the, the phrase, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit. Verse 8, through the same Spirit. Verse 9, by the same Spirit. Verse 11, all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. There's one overwhelming theme in that passage. We can't do these things without Him. 
Amen? We can't. We can't impact the world like God wants us to impact the world without the presence and the power, the equipping, the enabling of God's Spirit in our lives. That is His assignment. His assignment is to come alongside of you and enable you to do things that you can't do in yourself. Amen? He wants to enable us, enhance us, and that, these are called grace gifts because we don't deserve them. Amen? And it's God's loving grace being shown in our lives that enables us to be involved with Him in blessing the church. Now our ministry capability, look at verse 6. This is interesting. And there are diversities of activities. But it's the same God who works all in all. There it's not talking about the Spirit, it's talking about the Father. And it's talking about that in His mind when we were created, He directly chose to enable us in, in ways, in other words, in our gifts, in our talents, in our abilities, in the way we think. In our, all of these things that were created within us so that we would be directed in a certain venue uh, in this world to be the light and to be the salt. We were created with these abilities, and this, this verse actually calls it diversities of activities that came from God. So, so we were created with certain abilities, talents, giftings, but those things are natural. Those things were created by God. But it's the supernatural things that we don't have unless we're partnering with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, church, if you're a guest here today, um, I want to clarify that we're a church that believes in the supernatural. God is supernatural. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. From, from, from Genesis to Revelation, this book is a supernatural book. It's, it's a book where God, who is supernatural, comes in, in, into the lives of people and enables them to experience something that is far greater than what we would naturally be able to experience. I believe in miracles. I believe in signs. I believe in wonders. And I pray for God to manifest those uh, supernatural things in our lives. Amen? Because He is still supernatural. But I want us to note here that we need the supernatural. We, we, we try so many times just to do things in the natural giftings and abilities that God created it within us. And sometimes when we're facing a battle, we come into the battle that same way. Well, I'm determined. God gave me just a determination. I'm a determined person. So as the enemy tempts me, as the enemy comes against me, I'm going to use that determination that God gave me and I'm going to fight him. Church, you need more than that. You need a supernatural God that's going to enable you supernaturally to stand and to overcome the tricks and the traps of the enemy. Amen? It's God's Spirit enabling us to live for Him. We can't do it on our own. We'll stumble, continue, we'll fall, we'll make mistakes. 
But it's the Spirit of God that comes and strengthens us and equips us and empowers us to live for Jesus and so that the world will see there's more than just what my ability is. There's a God who comes into my life and that God enables me to be the light and to be the salt, to be the witness that He's called me to be. Now, the Holy Spirit, you may have never thought about this, but Jesus never operated in the supernatural until the Holy Spirit of God descended upon Him like a dove when He was baptized. The supernatural begins in Jesus' ministry after that point. And if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit empowering His life, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit empowering ours? But church, there's good news. The same Spirit that descended upon Jesus, that that resurrected Jesus from the dead, that same Holy Spirit fell on the church in Acts chapter 2 on the 120 in the upper room. The same Holy Spirit fell upon them. And then Peter stands up and he begins to preach to the crowd that had gathered because they, they, they were hearing people speak in their native language and they knew these people didn't know the, the language their language and they were they were praising God and glorifying God so they were drawn to Peter and in Peter's message in Acts chapter 2 verse 39 to, towards the end of what we have the account it says that Peter spoke many more words but towards the end of what we have in that account It says in verse 39, you need to remember this, church, for the promise, and he is talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, is to you and to your children and to all, everybody say all, who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Amen. That means you. That means me. That means the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus and brought Him up from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that came upon the church, is the same Holy Spirit, Peter says, and as many as God calls, that same Holy Spirit equipping and partnering, you can experience it. I don't know about you, I'm excited to be here today. (laughs) And I've been here every Sunday since this thing, but it's especially... Exciting to be here today because you're here today. <laughs> and I want, you to, I want you to take hold of this. You need to receive the Word of God and believe that the Holy Spirit wants to partner with you. That is His assignment. Amen? Now I want to look at some of the ways the Holy Spirit partners or makes a difference in our life part of what his assignment is we don't have a a, the time today we'd still be here tonight if I covered all the ways that the Holy Spirit ministers in our lives and through our lives but I want to look at just a few short things today first of all the Spirit of God reveals to us the fullness of the person of Jesus we can't understand who Jesus truly is and what He did for us unless the Holy Spirit reveals that to us. We can't. That's why so many in the world today think that Jesus was just a prophet. That Jesus was just a figure out of history. 
Or some don't even believe that Jesus existed. They believe it's on all, all of it's a fairy tale. Why? Because they haven't had that revelation of who Jesus really is. And church, we need to welcome the Holy Spirit to give us revelation, a greater revelation of who Jesus really is. Amen? The Holy Spirit knows Jesus completely. He knows His character, His mind, His love, His person. And we need the Holy Spirit to enable us to have that understanding that we can't have without the Holy Spirit helping us. Paul prayed along these lines to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 through 19. He says that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We can't understand the fullness of who Jesus is unless the Holy Spirit brings that revelation into our lives. So church, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would give us a fresh revelation of who Jesus is in all His fullness, in all His glory, in all His power, in all His might. Amen? How many say yes to that? Even the disciples who were with Jesus night and day, didn't fully comprehend until the Spirit of God enabled them. In, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 17, it says that Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He's speaking to Peter there. When, and he asked Peter the question, who do you say that I am? And he says, you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. No one understands that without the revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, He said, He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. Without the Holy Spirit, church, we can't have the depth of understanding of the revelation. I want to know how great Jesus' love is. How about you? I want to know how great His character is. How, how great His mind, how He thinks. I want to have the mind of Christ in my life. I want to think like Jesus thinks. And church, we can't experience the, the presence of, of Jesus and, and the understanding and the revelation without the Holy Spirit. So we, we need to join together today and say... Holy Spirit, help us. Give us a greater revelation of Jesus than we've ever had before. That's my prayer. I've been preaching for too many years that I don't want to tell you how many. I, I've known Jesus since I was eight years old. But church, this week I've been praying, Lord, I want a fresh revelation of who my Savior is. I want a fresh revelation of Jesus like I've never had before. 
The second thing, the Holy Spirit reveals to us the finished work of the cross. <laughs> Too many times, church, even Christians have a misconception, a misunderstanding about what Jesus truly accomplished on the cross of Christ, on the cross of Calvary. And I want us to, to have a fresh revelation and a greater understanding of the finished work of the cross. The price that Jesus paid. The cross is the great exchange. It's a divine exchange. Where everything that you and I deserved because of our disobedience, because of our rebellion, because of our sin was placed upon Jesus. He took it all. And everything that Jesus deserved because of His obedience, His righteousness, is given to those who believe in Him. Amen? That's the revelation of the cross. It's the divine exchange. That's why I love the altar. The idea of the altar. Because the altar is a place where we come with our circumstances, with our difficulties, with the, our crisis, our pain, whatever we're going through, and we give it to Jesus. And we leave it there. Amen? And we take what He has purchased for us because of His death on the cross. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, for God, speaking of God, He made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Church, the enemy's going to try to tell you that you are just dirt, that you're just sinful, that you're never going to amount to anything, that God can't love you because of your past. Jesus loves you. He died for you. And because of what He did, you need to get a revelation of what He accomplished on the cross, that every sin that you ever committed, He paid for on the cross, past, present, and future. And we live in that victory, church. We live in that. And according to that scripture, it doesn't matter what you've done, how bad you've dove, I can't even pronounce it, dove into sin. I'm too excited today. I can't help it. I got people to preach to. It doesn't matter how deep you've gone into sin. When you come to Jesus, all that sin is washed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But it's only in Christ. Don't let the devil tell you that you're not the righteousness of God. But if you're not in Jesus today, you're still living in your sin. And God wants to pay, God wants to give you the revelation of what Jesus paid for on the cross for you that you can enter in and receive His righteousness. Another thing that Jesus accomplished on the cross that we need a greater revelation of is that He took our sickness so that we could receive healing. 
In Isaiah chapter 53, the great messianic passage, it says, Surely He, speaking of the Messiah, speaking of Jesus, surely He has borne. That means to take upon oneself and to take away. Next, he says, he's taking away our griefs. In the original language, the, the word means sicknesses, disease, and illnesses. That's what it means in the original language. Jesus paid not only for our sin, He paid for our sicknesses to be healed on the cross. We need a fresh revelation from the Holy Spirit of that truth. Amen? And then it says, and He carried our sorrows, which literally means our pains, our suffering, our sorrow. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was wounded. Literally it means to be pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised, literally crushed or beaten down for our iniquities. And the chastisement, that's the discipline, for our peace was upon Him. The discipline that we deserved, Jesus took it for us. And it says, and by His stripes we were he, we are healed. It says, after discipline, that discipline was for the peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. Church, we need a fresh revelation of what Jesus went through on the cross. A greater understanding, a greater revelation. And it's the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Holy Spirit, give us that fresh revelation that we would... Lord, come every service believing that God's going to bring healing to somebody. Not just spiritually, but also physically or emotionally. However they need healing. Jesus paid for it on the cross. That's part of the work that was accomplished. And we need a fresh revelation from the Holy Spirit of that truth. Jesus took our slavery so that we might live in freedom. If there's anything in your life right now that has you mastered or has you in bondage, Jesus paid for you to be set free and to live in liberty. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. There's two things. Christ has paid the price for your freedom. It doesn't matter what that bondage is in your life. It can be anger. It can be bitterness. It can be resentment. It can be drugs or alcohol or immorality, pornography, whatever it is, Jesus dealt with it on the cross and won the victory over it so that we don't have to live in bondage, but we can live in the freedom that Jesus has purchased for us. The second thing I want you to see in that verse in Galatians chapter 5 is that it says, do not be entangled again. So, Jesus paid for our freedom, and we can be free, but we have a will. We have a choice. We can do things that allow that bondage back in our lives, and God says, don't do it. 
live in the freedom that He's purchased for us. Amen? Today I pray for a greater revelation of the liberty in Jesus Christ. Jesus took our poverty so that we would receive His prosperity. I'll give you a verse on that. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor. That you, through His poverty, might become rich. Now that's not speaking and saying that God wants all of us to be like Bill Gates and be billionaires. The true riches in this world are far more than material things. The true riches are spiritual things. And that's what we have in Jesus. That's what He accomplished on the cross. Jesus took our shame so that we might receive His glory. (laughs) If you're struggling with shame today because of your past, what you've gone through, you need to realize Jesus took care of that on the cross. Amen? You are not to live in shame. You are to live in the glory of God, in His presence. He wants you to experience His glory. In fact, in Romans chapter 10, verse 11, it says, For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. If you're here today and you're struggling with shame, it's not God's will for your life. And in Jesus' high priestly prayer, in John 17, listen to what Jesus prayed. And the glory which you gave me, he's talking to the Father in heaven, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. God wants every one of us to experience his glory. And that, that glory of God in our lives is going to bring us together in unity. And the world's going to see that and they're going to, recognize that Jesus is exactly who He says He is. I love that. Jesus also took the death that we deserve, eternal death, so that we could receive His eternal life. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So church, it's important that we understand and have a greater revelation of of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Church, join me and, and just say, Holy Spirit, give me a greater revelation, a greater understanding of all, of all, of all that Jesus accomplished by dying on that cross for me. The third thing, the Holy Spirit reveals to us Satan, listen to this, the Holy Spirit reveals to us Satan's defeat at the cross. <laughs> John 16, verses 8 and verse 11. And when he has come, Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. That's speaking about Satan. Satan was defeated at the cross. 
absolutely, definitely, definitively, irrevocably, and eternally defeated. I'm going to say that again. I like that. Satan is absolutely, definitively, irrevocably, and eternally defeated at the cross. One of my favorite verses in Colossians, Colossians chapter 2.15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, the enemy, every demon of hell, every fallen angel that follows Satan, they are disarmed! They don't have the, the arms to come against you. Jesus disarmed them at the cross. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And it is the cross. Amen? We need a revelation that Satan is a defeated foe, church. That he doesn't have that power and authority. He doesn't have the ability all he can do is trick you. All he can do is lie to you. The only way he succeeds against us is when we welcome him in by our sin or welcome him in by believing the lies and him having a place that way. So church, live in the victory that Jesus has given us in the cross. Listen to this. If you're facing fear, doubt, confusion, trials, tribulations, if you're in the middle of a crisis, if the enemy is attacking your body, your mind, or your spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to give you a fresh revelation of Satan's total defeat. And church, we need that because too many times we have a picture of here's Satan and here's God and they're, they're equal and they're just kind of battling out. Satan is a defeated foe. He's under your feet. The fourth thing, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. We read this verse a while ago, but I want to look at a different point. In John 16 and verse 8, and when He has come, the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. Verse 9, of sin because they do not believe in Me. The Holy Spirit is working. It says here in this, this verse that He convicts the world. The world there is the word cosmos. And it has to do with more than just the planet. It has to do with man and his culture, his society, the way that this world operates. There's a world spirit. It's, it's, the, it's the devil. And the world spirit operates contrary to the Spirit of God. And so it's the Holy Spirit that enables us. The Holy Spirit gives us revelation in our lives that we're sinners, that we need Jesus. That we've Sinned against a God that's loving and holy and righteous. And so today, church, if you have a friend or a family member that doesn't know Jesus yet, pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them of their sin. Because we're not going to come to Jesus until we recognize that we're sinners in need of a Savior. The Holy Spirit enables us to understand our need to be forgiven, our need to be cleansed, 
our need for the righteousness of Jesus to be imputed to us and for our sin to be washed away. And it's the Holy Spirit that's working in unbelievers, bringing them to that place of conviction of sin. Sometimes you speak to people about the truth of the gospel, and guess what? They don't want to hear it. Sometimes they'll even mock you or they'll persecute you. They'll push you away. Why? Because they haven't allowed that conviction of the Spirit in their lives so that they understand that one day we're all going to stand before a righteous, holy God and be judged. And that the only way that we're going to come out of that Knowing God is when we're convicted of that sin and we say yes to Jesus. Amen. In John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So the Spirit convicts. And how does the Father draw? He's drawing through the Holy Spirit. The fifth thing I want us to note is that the Holy Spirit helps us fulfill our roles and responsibilities. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit is our Helper who comes alongside of us. He's the one that enables us to do what we can't do on our own. Jesus told the disciples in John chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. That had to be a verse or a saying of Jesus to the disciples at that time that just blew their mind. Jesus, how? How can it be better for us that you're going to leave us? But church, it was better. It was better because Jesus was here in the limited form of the flesh. But when He left, when He ascended into heaven, God came in the unlimited form of the Holy Spirit. So that presence of God is within each one of us. The presence of God is partnering with each one of us. He's here and He's in China. He's in Russia. He's down in Oklahoma. And they really need Jesus in Oklahoma. I'm just kidding. That's where Nancy's from. That word in the original Greek language that's translated helper, listen to this. This is the, the fuller meaning of all the, all the ways that that word's used. A helper, a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener, and someone who stands by you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He counsels us. In fact, James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. 
I love that verse. I have prayed that verse my entire life because I realized I needed godly wisdom. I pray that now because I need godly wisdom right now more than I've ever needed it in the past. As we go forward as a church, we need godly wisdom. We need His direction and His guidance. We all need the wisdom of God. And so the, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. The Holy Spirit gives us that wisdom that we need. Church, we all need a fresh revelation of the Holy Spirit and what He will teach us about Jesus, about the cross, how He will come alongside us, give us wisdom, give us counsel. He will comfort us. He will intercede for us. He will strengthen us. We need a fresh revelation from the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want the worship team to come, and I'm going to ask you to just stand with me today. Just a few weeks ago, our General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God, Brother Doug Clay, recorded a short four-minute video, and he was standing in front of one of the, the old buildings that's still there in the headquarters of the Assemblies of God. It was built back when the Spanish flu epidemic swept our nation. Shortly after they finished the building, they had to shut it down because of the, the flu pandemic that was going through the nation. But he, he shared something that was powerful that I want you to take hold of today. He said that as the pandemic ended and the churches reopened, he said there was a tremendous explosion in the church. He said that the people just drew closer to Jesus. They had that fresh revelation from Him and that they were going out and sharing Jesus with others. They were praying. They were ministering. They were planning churches. And that's exactly what we're doing. And he said there was just an explosion in the Assemblies of God movement. And there were churches planted all over the United States and all over the world where missionaries were called and they would go and begin to, to share the love and the life of Jesus in other countries. And church, I'm believing God is going to do the same thing. And that's what He was saying. He was saying, I'm believing that when we come back together, there's going to be a greater move of God in our churches, in our lives, in our families. And we're going to see an explosion of God's grace and mercy and His love. And I want you to join me in that church. Say, yes, Lord. Let it be, Lord. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward if they would. And if you would like prayer today, some of them, you don't all have to be at the front. Some of you can be at the back if you'd like. For many of us, it's been a long time since we've been able to pray with somebody. So if you have a need and you want one of our prayer team to pray with you, I want to invite you to come.